0: Welcome to the 19th episode of Who's Editing, a thought experiment in which my guest and I appoint ourselves editors of a comic book line at DC Comics, but the joke's on us because we can only use the characters of a specific issue of Who's Who, and in fact, must use them. I'm Siskoid, I'll let you in on all the rules, but first let's welcome my guest with which to create a line of books based on Who's Who number 19. Please welcome Batman Family Reunions' Sean Myers to the show! Hello, fellow editor! We had Paul Kien, your podcasting partner on that show, just a couple of episodes ago. He got Nightwing, so I thought it only fair that you'd get Robin.
1: A great decision, and I will apologize for all of the horrible editing mistakes I will make for the rest of my episode.
0: <laughs> it is a, a strange thing to be doing, I'm sure. Was this a
1: challenging issue? It's funny. Um, It's almost uh, a tale of thirds. Like I, thirds? I, I, I was at work, and luckily I had a bunch of downtime, so I pulled it up on the DC Universe app, uh, DC Universe Infinite or whatever they're calling it this week, made a list of all of the characters, uh, did about a third of them like, right off the bat, like, what's my first thought? This is it. Then the next third I kind of like mulled over a little bit, maybe for like, like an hour or so. And then that last third, man, that took me like uh, probably up until 10 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I'll admit right now and I'll tell you when I get there, there's one that just is really not great. When maybe not even one, but one that I think is not great.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> well, one of the problems I think was that as far as heroic entries, and uh, and there are a couple of planets as well that we had to cover in the stuff that we had to cover. That's twenty three entries, and I think that's the biggest yield yet, and maybe of the whole series. You know, there are fewer villains than, than heroes in this one by a mile. So it was a lot. And then uh, there are three sets of identically named heroes. So that's like, okay, how do mm-hmm. I, how uh, do that? And, and planets, planets I usually find are a little boring as far as entries go. So how do we fold that into a series afterwards? Uh, those were my challenges. But, uh, my other challenge was that <laughs> when I said, oh, I'd love to have this come out, you know, beginning of October, and, uh, you'd already all done all the work. So I'm like, uh, all right, let me get to this in the next, four or five days, hack it out. Uh, So I had like a time pressure uh, on this one, which probably helped.
1: I pretty much like thought, well, what does this make me think of? And I'm actually surprised because generally I am very like superhero comics, you know, straight out, you know, capes and tight secret identities, that kind of thing. And I'm amazed at myself at how maybe not far that ventures, but some of mine surprised me by how much they're not regular superhero stories.
0: Interesting. So before we get into those strategies, let me just give the folks out there uh, one more time the rules that each episode of Who's Editing goes by. Our line of books must include a monthly series for every hero, character, or team featured, as well as any non-HQ location. We can give a villain or other entry their own series if absolutely necessary, if we feel the need to, but uh, we can only name a single villain from the issue to receive that honor. Imagine we're coming back from some crisis or other so we can reboot characters or use any Continuities version, it's really up to us what we do with them. Titles don't have to match the entries either. Note that we are each pitching our own ideas so we'll sort of end up with two possible lines of books. Listeners, you decide which books you'd actually want to read, and we'll actually play that game too, as we'll have enough money to buy one title from the other editor's line. I'll be taking notes, and we'll be do- doing that at the end. So, Sean, did you have a strategy going into this at all? <laughs> yes.
1: My, my strategy is, I don't like the term cheating, I prefer to think of it as using my imagination to go beyond the preset boundaries.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) But because I used my imagination to go beyond the preset boundaries so much during this issue, I felt I should do that with every character and concept and place and planet and property. So what I'm lacking in quality, I am making up for in quantity.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, because, and I already know this, um, you've broken the rule about giving a single villain a book. Um, so prepare for a long list of titles in the bonus book section at the end of the show. But what happened there? Willful or accidental? Accidental. <laughs> Okay, so it's like a, a, mis- a miscommunication <laughs> as to what was expected. I get it.
1: Completely on my part, yes.
0: Have their IPs have been converted into heroes? Or, you know, do you have a, a bunch of really dark titles starring uh, Lex Luthor and the Joker?
1: There's only one really dark title. like, And in general, I don't like dark titles at all. There's some very super light-friendly little kid books all the way up to the, are we calling it the Black Label or whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, And also, because I apprenticed under Jeanette Kahn, I have uh, what are quote-unquote dollar comics. I have Digest, I have Treasuries, I have uh, a regular magazine and some other surprises.
0: Okay, so you've got a very diversified – I mean, if you're going to do that many entries – there you go. They can't all be the same, right? I have room to roam. So bear with me. Here's my strategy. <laughs> in 2013, I ran a DC Heroes campaign uh, RPG using Green Ronin's DC Adventures rule set. Okay, We called it Justice Legion, and mm. it was set in the relative blank of the early 28th century, long after our current age of heroes, but a couple of hundred years before the Legion of Superheroes time. It was all... Long-lived or legacy heroes or Legion precursors. And the question, which is in this issue, was one of the stars. And since he's, he's here, he's right there, that just made me, okay, maybe I could do this. I decided to create an entire line of books that take place in the Justice Legion continuity. So think of it as... Marvel 2099, or Legends of a Dead Earth, or DC 1 million, you know, uh, just a different era, but line-wide. And this is about a budding new age of heroes. Earth isn't the utopia of the 30th century. It's a fairly controlled society that doesn't love the idea of these new heroes, and and benefits from an uneasy peace with the rest of the galaxy whose powers may want to undermine Earth for their own ends. So in some ways it's still rebuilding from the great disaster as well. So it doesn't seem like it won't seem so alien. It will seem like it's just like a few steps in the future from us. And obviously with the geopolitical atmosphere that we have right now, I think a more isolationist earth will do the trick in terms of providing satire and uh, opportunities for parallel development where we recognize that these stories are fictional, but they're really talking about today. So with issue 19 of Who's Who, We have to include a minimum of 23 books in our line. And if you're Sean Myers, a maximum of 34. (laughs) Let's get to it. I'm going to hand it off to you first. And we'll do a bit of back and forth in entry order. But we'll leave all these bonus villain series for the end. Or series based on villain IPs. Uh, So it does start with the question. What do you have for us?
1: I am going to start off. uh, Listeners, you're very lucky. Because I'm going to start off with one of my weakest concepts. (laughs) And then we'll build from there. So... In my world of this publishing house, uh, Google does not exist. So the question is, questions that are sent in by readers, you are contacting the Oracle and you are asking them questions. So it could be as simple as, how much is 2 plus 2? And then that is an illustrated story. You know, maybe that's a one pager. And then it'll be like, how does uh, geopolitical climates of the world affect each nation, and then that could be a 17-page story. So depending on the question, that makes the story either a one-page or a 17-page or anything. Listeners, I promise, they get a lot better after this one.
0: (laughs) So you can use Bob Rosakis, the Answer Man, yes, as a character.
1: Yeah, Fantastic, yes.
0: Yes. Uh, For me, this one was easy, because uh, I knew from the very beginning of this project, I knew that the question had to be the conspiracy nut from Justice League Unlimited. You know, it's such a fun interpretation. But here I have a Justice Legion twist as well. It's the future. So I'm enhancing his abilities a little bit. First, the mask is a face scrambler that makes you unsure what you're seeing. like He's like being blurred live or something. And second, he has an actual power, a sixth sense, that makes those crazy connections true a good part of the time. In, In my game, the player would say something outlandish like connect the Girl Scouts with uh, the Illuminati or something, <laughs> and then he'd roll to see if the power worked, and then I, or I would do so secretly, and then it's like, well, okay, I guess I gotta insert these scout girls so uh, <laughs> into the story. But in the series, other characters might think he's insane, but he turns out to be right, you know. So it's JLU, but it's more paranoid. It's like a cyberpunk techno thriller. The character is called Jeff Koontz. Uh, the Jeff is a homage to the actor. And he's not a direct descendant of Vic Sage, so but he is based out of Hub City because the name the name is great for being the center of a web of conspiracies. So I felt like everything that the JLU was doing kind of really fit that concept, like Hub City and all the names. So um, so that's my question. Quicksilver is next, and uh, this one um, the book is called Max Mercury, and he's the same guy we remember from Flash and Impulse. Uh, The Speed Force has bumped him into the 20th century where he acts as the resident speedster, uh, the first since John Fox, if you know your Flash history. Uh, So it's traditional, if maybe highly acrobatic, speedster adventures going up against the rogue society and all high-tech spiritual descendants of the Flash's rogues. Mm. Max kind of plays as an older, get-off-my-lawn type hero, but every issue will also include a backup strip taking us to Max's past, either as a Cavalry Scout, the Windrunner, late 19th century when he was uh, Whip, Whirlwind, the Golden Age Quicksilver, or... Mm. Impulse's mentor in the late 20th century or early 21st. So we get like a range of stories with this guy.
1: Oh, I like Max Mercury and Jay Garrick. So I like that idea a lot.
0: Did you use Max Mercury or did you reinvent this as well? No, I've reinvented it.
1: (laughs) A theme that will develop is I always go for low-hanging fruit. And whatever the name (laughs) makes me think of is what I created. So for Quicksilver, I'm thinking silver as in money and quick as in fast. So... My Quicksilver is an anthology title. I'm big on anthology titles. It tells different stories about this character, could be man, woman, doesn't matter. And they give people money. Now, sometimes these people need money and Quicksilver has saved their life and changed their life. Um, I'm also fascinated by stories about lottery winners who then ruin their lives. So maybe this money that Quicksilver gives them ruins their lives. And is that on purpose? Is that not on purpose? You know, sometimes it serves its purpose. You know, er each story will be different. Um, I don't know that this is going to run for a hundred issues. I'm not going to create a mini series for this. We'll see how this plays out. Maybe different writers will come in, you know, take the book for four or five issues, whatever, but it's um, the effect of, and not even necessarily money, but maybe like what that person needs in their life and if they need that in their life.
0: Mm, okay. So he's sort of pecuniary Phantom Strangers.
1: <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, I'll cut and paste what you said and put that over mine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we can share notes. We're in different universes. <laughs> yeah, we're on a different Earth, each doing our own line. Uh, next up then is Quizlet. So here's a Legion of Superheroes member. I can tell you right now, mine's not going to be part of the Legion exactly. Uh, what about yours?
1: Quizlet is not a book. Quizlet is an app, Oh. and uh, it is only an app. It's not a book. It's not uh, you know anything like that. It's just an app, and there are actually three components to this app, and two of those components we'll talk about later, but Quizlet is the main part, so you download the Quizlet app. It starts you off, and it's trivia, and it's trivia about my DC universe, so you know, you'll get a question about the question. You'll get a question about Quicksilver. You'll get a question about Quard. And depending on what happens in your quiz, you may or may not go on to, perhaps, two other things that we will get to later.
0: Okay. Intriguing. I love that you live in a universe where there's no Google, but there are apps. (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: weird what's happened. (laughs) Who has affected our time stream like
0: this? (laughs) For me, uh, I wanted to pay homage to the Justice Legion from my role-playing game. At some point. And this is it. So some of its members uh, will star in a book I call Legion Lost. So the Justice Legion, Legion Superior, it's all the same. Legion Lost, in which they try to return to Earth on a sentient ship called the Quizlet. That's what Quizlet's form is, after all. It's, it's a ship. You know, we just don't see the alien inside. The Quizlet is captained by Gordy West, Wally West's, descendant who is kind Mm -hmm. of a buck rogers type with very slight speed powers uh the cast also includes an older martian manhunter an anthropomorphic feline wildcat african disco stud and tantu totem holder fennec brick the green lantern who is an inanimate speechless object and the goofy plastic girl they you know they used to be earth's mightiest team sort of because the Martian manager, I think, thinks of them as the newest incarnation of the Bwahaha Justice League. <laughs> but they got trapped at the back end of a wormhole. Now they're having cool cosmic adventures, uh, leaving Earth the newer crop of heroes. And yes, these were all player characters in my game. There was no room for them elsewhere, so I just put them all on the same ship. Next up, quord As I've just mentioned, Earth has lost its Green Lantern, but there are very few around in the future anyway. So not very mem- many members of the other cores... Uh, Absolutely no dark stars. Their replacements are the Thunderers of Quard, whose society has progressed since the Anti-Monitor's death. And in the past hundred years, they've sent a a number of ambassadorial heroes to the positive universe to make amends for what the antimatter world did in the past. In the Thunderer series, we follow the adventures of Earth's Thunderer, Quilene, a young woman out to prove herself, but it's hard to do good when everyone hates you on sight. Is the public's feelings about Quardians going to spark the antimatter in her heart? <laughs> Initially, her only supporting cast is something called the Monitor. It's at the end of the dimensional phone that directs her missions, records her testimonials. But I think the more friends she makes here, the less she'll need the Monitor, and then perhaps even realize it's not playing fair with her. It's maybe a mystery somewhere in there. Ooh, that's, I like that idea a lot.
1: So my Quad is the first quote-unquote dollar comics. But of course, it's not dollar comics because a dollar can't buy anything. So these are renamed dynamic comics. But they're still like the size and dimension page count of the original dollar comics. And this, of course, is an anthology. But Quad isn't a place. It's a concept. And it's almost like Dial H for Hero but with concepts or storylines submitted by readers or by the podcast that is also called Quard. So Quard has a host. Maybe his name is Mike Sisquard, and he (laughs) talks to listeners, and the listeners suggest ideas. The ideas go into the book Quard and it could be anything, like it could be superheroes, it could be mystery, it could be romance, it could be uh, horror, anything like that. And maybe even like a blending or melding. So maybe someone takes the idea of a haunted house and someone has, you know, romance characters visit that haunted house and they are saved by superheroes or something like that.
0: It sounds like I exist in your universe, but also (laughs) with a tweak. Well, and it's going to be hard for
1: you in this universe because you don't have Google. (laughs) You better hope that Mike's Amazing Comics is still around.
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be using the Quart app. Um. (laughs) I don't know. So okay. Um, who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Ragman.
1: Ragman and Ragdoll are next. Spoiler alert. Okay,
0: so you're you combining them or This is my first real superhero
1: concept. Ragman is actually he starts off well, he starts off as someone who's homeless. And it's a homeless family. The first couple of issues you see their life on the streets. You see how people treat them calling them slurs like hey rag man what are you doing that kind of thing somehow and that's up to the writer he and his daughter get powers and how does that you know this is not bruce wayne this is not ted core this is not tony stark you know these people don't have money but they do have powers so how do they use their powers but still navigate the issues of being homeless Like, it's a very serious book. It's not like a black label. It's not necessarily dark, but there definitely are, like, adult themes. And I don't mean, like, necessarily hard violence or anything like that. I just mean, like, these are grown-up topics that aren't glossed over. Like, they really take this look at homelessness and how it affects human beings.
0: I like that. I like that very much. For me, in 700 years, the Ragman suit has been torn to shreds. So Rory Regan's descendant, Rafi Regan, looks like a tangle of tentacular rags when he's in action. A felt octopus, if you mm. like. The people who encounter the ragman don't even suspect there's someone underneath there. It's just monstrous. And indeed, Rafi himself feels like the rags have a mind of their own. I want the book to be grounded uh, more like the miniseries of the 90s or late 80s or whatever it was. I want it to be grounded in the Jewish faith and in Jewish lore, mm-hmm. taking place in 20th century Prague which has retained its medieval city through the great disaster and beyond. So here, mysticism rubs elbows with the surveillance tech of the nascent world government that I hinted at earlier, that has, you know, these fascistic tendencies. What does that mean exactly for religious minorities? We'll explore it here. To me, this one has almost a vertigo feel, and I want the covers to reflect that. Like, every cover will be a reproduction of textile art. Very distinct, <laughs> very distinct on the stance. I like that. That's cool. And now from cool to uncool, Ron, and I don't mean my series is uncool. I just look at these planetary entries and I go, ugh. But in this case, the series is called Mystery in Space. It stars one of the characters that was actually in the role-playing campaign, Aaron Strange. Pretty easy to guess who he's related to. Ron is near Earth and one of a cluster of worlds that Aaron can zeta beam to. Like These days, the zeta beam is integrated into his suit and it allows him to just teleport to any world within range, or an entire ship if he's aboard one. So his adventures can take him to Earth, obviously, but other planets in our system, uh, as well as Tanagar, which I think is supposed to be in proximity. And there he gets into a lot of trouble. So it's ultimately in the defense of Ron, trying to establish relations with potential nearby allies, while Earth's growing isolationism is becoming problematic, maybe. But he's a bit of a jinx, Possibly doing more harm than good. So I Mm -hmm. flipped also Adam Strange supporting cast for Aaron. Uh, It's his mom and his little sister. One of them doesn't think he should be adventuring. The other wants to be brought along. I'm not sure which is which. I don't know which is more entertaining, the little sister that stows away or the mom who wants this adventure while the little sister's at home going, no, you have responsibilities at home. But maybe that's better. I'll leave that up to the writer.
1: I want um, that family to have a crossover with my Ragman
0: family. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, very different styles, though I, I imagine. What do you have for Ron? Uh, Ran, Ron, Ran, Ron.
1: We're early in this episode, but already I'm going to shock people by actually sticking to Ron being a planet. <laughs> I'm not going to change it that much. Ron is a planet, but this is a planet that we have never seen before, so we don't know necessarily what creatures or you know things are on this planet. However. This is a DC Challenge-style 12-issue maxi-series, and we do know that the characters on Ron are characters from who's editing. So if anyone past or future needs some kind of planet to house their creations, Ron could be it. But Ron is in conflict with Earth. So, you know, the Earth-based who's editing characters are going to have a battle with the Ron-based who's editing characters for 12 issues.
0: Next up is Raven. This is the one where I've kind of
1: borrowed heavily the most. So in Batman Family number 19, which we haven't gotten to yet, there is a character named Raven. And the character was created years before raven that we know of in the new teen titans and raven uh, is clad all in black has a hood uh he's a man named david corby uh he was a college student i think of robin big black wings so that is that character but he is a member of the nla which is the nature league of america and he is a hero but he is a little bit more on the savage side like he uses his claws Definitely, like, his claws can go through metal. They can, you know, they can really rend someone very horribly. And there are seven members of the NLA. Perhaps we might be meeting other members of the NLA before this episode is over. Spoiler alert, we will.
0: (laughs) Well, my raven also crosses over with another character from later, so... I wasn't aware of this other raven from the past.
1: Perhaps when you listen to Batman Family Number 19 you'll be able to. Yes, but also
0: <laughs> I mean it makes complete sense because I think the new Teen Titans many of them were stealing IPs from mm-hmm. past heroes. Nightwing mm-hmm. obviously took his name from the Kandorian hero, Starfire took her name from the mm-hmm. fantasy heroine. Raven is similar here. So, I guess I guess it makes sense, you know, that that's how they were working these names at that time. For me, the current Raven current being 28th century is a teenage goth girl with magical powers much similar to the you know i, I was thinking of the teen titans go version in a way you know yeah and uh, she's the result of trigon's bloodline down through the ages or mm. so she would have us believe it's part of her goth act and her origins are not exactly mundane obviously but they're much less demonic but in her opinion that's not cool so she's sort of you know, uh, grafting herself to the original Raven's legend. This is the big teenage angst book. It's in the manga-style art, and while our heroine is fighting supernatural threats, she's also trying to figure out who she is and resolve her self-loathing issues. The first year of the series, she'll be interacting with Robin frequently in a romantic capacity, and a light to her darkness, I guess, if if you will. After each of these series hits issue 12, they will merge into one book, Raven and Robin, and they might separate into two books again. You know, it, it will go along with their, their relationship. Or maybe I just like to confuse collectors. <laughs> At least they're both our characters. You know, they're, they're...
1: <laughs> That'll make it easier in the long box. Yeah,
0: exactly. Next up, The Ray. I, um, I took a page from you on this one because I only just stole the name. <laughs> so I wanted this uh, future to have someone patrolling the oceans. And that's the Ray. So think Manta, Stingray, you know. He is, in fact, descended from Black Manta, and that means also the current Aqualad, Aquaman. And he's an Avenger of the Seas, a waterproof punisher, who violently takes care of polluters, of pirates, of aggressor militaries. Because, see, in the 28th century, Atlantis has seen better days. And there are very few pockets of water that are still safe to live in, on account of pollution, mutations, Poaching of the undersea kingdoms, riches. Technology has made it way too easy for landlubbers to get to it. So there's a threat from above. So Atlantean refugees need a hero who is as dark as the deepest trench. Though one day he hopes to throw off the costume and its barbed tail and become anonymous in the new kingdom he's helping to build. So there's a bit of a Battlestar Galactica vibe in there as well. Atlantis Mm -hmm. searches for a new home. But this is the darkest series I have in terms of violence and whatnot. It's not the type of stuff I love to read, but I feel... It has a place in my in my line. Oh, fantastic!
1: My Ray is not the Ray. It is Ray, and this is a normal person in the DCU. So, and we are looking at things that happen in my DCU through the lens of a completely normal person. So it's not even like a Lois Lane or Jimmy Olsen, like. Ray, you know, as far as we know, doesn't even, you know, have someone in their life who is secretly a hero or a villain or anything. This is just a normal person. And this is really heavily borrowed from Marvels, where you have um, the photographer and Kingdom Come, where you have like just that normal observer. But definitely, like, we are looking at events that have happened in DCU through this normal lens.
0: So the DCU does exist.
1: <laughs> yeah, even, even though I have not mentioned it really so much, I promise it's there. I guess my, my line, they don't like my books, so they're just on
0: the fringe. <laughs> You, yeah, you have your own imprint, and then... I guess, yeah. <laughs> and then somebody else is writing Batman, you know. <laughs> yes. Next stop, and better be careful here, Red B,
1: Red Bee. Okay, my Red Bee is a member of the Nature League of America. Perhaps you will see, you know, a thread that's coming through the NLA. And again, Red B could be male, female, any gender representation, could be any nationality, anything at all. But this Red Bee is a savage poison expert and the reason that is is because i am allergic to bee stings i won't die but if i get stung by a bee wherever i'm stung swells up tremendously probably for like three or four days now i can take my mom out so this is like i understand bee venom and what it can do so even though this person is a hero they do use poison now You know, they can use a drop of poison and just maybe, you know, make your leg weak so you can't stand on it. But, you know, what would happen if that hero, you know, either accidentally or maybe turns against the NLA? Perhaps we'll see in issue number 17.
0: (laughs) We already know the arc. (laughs) Dark B. Yeah, Okay. I, I like that you have a series that's really based on your trauma. I think that's I think that's important. I'm Tom King. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so my Red Bee, but future or not, I want the Red Bee to be much the same. Same retro outfit, the trained bees, the star his star insect, Michael, all of that. <laughs> he just operates in the future. That's all. The Red Bee. I said be careful because it, he is a network favorite. I, maybe just Shag and I, but it's a, <laughs> he's, he's a network favorite. He's a personal favorite. So I <laughs> want to do right by him. Every appearance beyond his death in All-Star Squadron has been comedic, if not outright, mockery. I want him to be played straight. Basically, yes, everyone thinks he's a joke, but they're underestimating him. He not only comes out on top, he's never surprised that he has. In the least, he's cool, he's slick, he's highly competent, against all odds. I want to make the Red B a contender. Now's his chance. All right, Red Star. Really, I'm playing fast and loose with this one. You, you'll forgive me because that's what you've been doing all along. That's nothing compared to mine. <laughs> so instead of Red Star, the series is called Red Sun. And is grabbing the popular Elseworlds IP to present a Soviet Superman descended from the Kents. Because yes, in the future, a Soviet Union has risen again. And is one of the major powers that's it's actually refusing to join the world government. It doesn't mean things are good there, because the country is blockaded by the rest of the world to force them to get with the program. So, poverty is rampant, so it's crime, and it's up to the socialist hero to do what he can to help the common people. The Red Sun has the Golden Age Superman's powers, not dissimilar to Red Star, as per the entry, and I would connect them further by calling him Leonid Kent, Leonid is also a grandfather's dame, so (laughs) a little homage there. And it introduces a love interest called Malady, uh, as per the entry, except I wouldn't give her the plague. That's just ridiculous. Maybe she works in a disease control center, and that could fuel some stories. But still, Mm -hmm. it's kind of stupid that Malady becomes sick. Anyway, my RPG uh, proposed at some point that the Kent bloodline mixed with the Irons line and gave us a slick armored hero called Man of Steel.
1: Ooh. He would be
0: in here. He's Red Sun's distant cousin. He works on the other side of the that new iron curtain, and they have a contentious relationship. The East versus West of old sort of thing. I like it. What did you do with Red Star?
1: The most obvious thing I could when I hear the name Red Star. Red Star is a Hollywood movie star, ginger-haired male star, so handsome, and this is very much... Um, Not a ripoff, but, you know, very much like Heartstopper tells the story of, you know, a, a Hollywood star who's falling in love for the very first time. And I just thought of it right now. He'll talk to his straight best friend Garfield Logan, who is also working on the movie set. That way I pull in a little bit more of the DCU than I have. He's probably 22, 23, just figuring things out. But this is very much like um, a YA, you know, first love kind of graphic novel.
0: Okay. Yeah, I can see that. And Blue Devil can show up. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Very good. Yeah.
1: That way we have Red Star and Blue... Yeah, actually, actually, Garfield's just a friend. We'll have Blue Devil and Red Star, just like uh, the blue and the gold.
0: (laughs) Mackin. Thank you for your help with my book. (laughs) Uh, I'm here for you. Uh, Then Red Tornado, the Red Tornado and the Cyclone Kids. If we go by the entry, but, uh, what have you got for, uh, ma uncle
1: for my first red tornado? They, and again, it could be male, female and any gender at all. It could be any nationality. They are not a robot. They are a human. Uh, they do have wind powers and they are the leader of the NLA and red tornado specifically set out to get the people that they want on their team for the NLA.
0: Yeah. Your leader. And you get to get a, a second Red Tornado series. I can't wait, but well, I can wait because <laughs> you have to. By <laughs> rights, I have to go with mine. I went well. I looked at Mahunkel. Obviously, I didn't go with Mahunkel because she's a caricature right out of the forties. Uh, doesn't quite work today. So I tried to find a, like a future equivalent that is, also feels contemporary. So in this century, Metropolis is the great project, the shining city that will one day be the whiz-bang sprawl of the Legion. But at this point, there's still an echo of suicide slum in there. An inner city that is truly inner. The poor and disenfranchised of the city have been relegated to a big tower block where Mm. kids grow up without ever seeing natural sunlight. Out of sight, out of mind, the city says. Introduce a middle-aged black woman known as Ma, simply. Uh, She's risen to become a community leader, a kind of mother for the good folks of inner city. To its bad folks, however, she's known as Cyclone, a super strong heroine who has brought more than a few of them to the police station, dragging them by the ear, basically. Beware the Cyclone spanking. Uh, Because she's part Amazon. I wanted a Wonder Woman type and, uh, you know, in this future the Amazons have sadly been long absorbed into man's world and sometimes a girl will be born with enhanced abilities as the Amazon genes get passed down. And that's Ma. Very interesting. Cool. The other red tornado is the one I, you know, the Justice League one. The one I mock all the time. I mock the red tornado more than I do the Outsiders. So this was a tough one. (laughs) Yeah. Because I so trashed the character. Especially since he's a machine and a prime candidate to have survived as himself all Mm. this time.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, he has survived. But as a pile of scraps, which through some weird inheritance has come into the possession of Tina Morrow. Tina may only be 12, but she's decided she wants to be one of these new superheroes popping up everywhere. She's a bit of a genius and adapts parts of the android's technology to her purposes to become the Red Tornado. For example, her boots give her a bit of lift so she can fly or jump or hover, and the cape is weaponized to produce a gust of hurricane-strength wind, that kind of thing. And then she manages to reactivate the head, which immediately starts whining about her having stripped the rest of his body for parts. But Tina will not let Reddy kill her buzz. She's a rare optimist in this century and nothing's going to change that. We're going to play on the basic humor of this odd couple and regardless of his woe is me attitude, Tina is going to bring Reddy's head with her on adventures, usually strapped to the back of, you know, like a backpack where you can't see anything. She does have a cape. This is supposed to be an amusing series, but it also plays with the metaphor of Reddy being the voice of depression and insecurity Mm. that's in your head telling you you can't do something or you shouldn't even try. Like How much of this undermining can she take before it affects her bubbly demeanor
1: that's a great take i like that part a lot
0: red tornado was one of the the last ones i i got a handle on but uh I, i think it's got more than one dimension now what are you doing with your second red tornado series
1: so my red tornado is well so we'll say it's red tornado but it's actually not red tornado it's tornado champion oh yeah and this person again could be anything helps families who have been ravaged by tornadoes so a tornado strikes this character goes in and helps them rebuild their life rebuild you know whatever they need like a job maybe they have to find friends and family maybe we find out that the tornadoes that have hit this area are not from nature which is why they're not included in the this tornado champion is not included in the nla so maybe you find out you know Somewhere down the line that these are man-made tornadoes and what that means to tornado champions past. That's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm just I'm imagining it. That's the thing with the show. Sometimes I'm like I get lost thinking of like I, I see the f- pages flip, like I'm imagining an artist on it. So that was sort of what I'm doing there. Also looking to the next character because it seems like we've been catering a lot to Network All-Star irredeemable shag to this point (laughs) but this next one is really for network all-star rob kelly rex the wonder dog is one of his favorite things in the dc universe do it proud
1: i do not have to tell anyone about rex the wonder dog and i don't even mean listeners i mean anybody because rex the wonder dog is literally the most famous character in all of literary history Rex has more movie appearances than Sherlock Holmes. He has a dynamic comic, which is you know the updated dollar comic. He has a digest comic. He has a treasury. <laughs> he has 17 movies and are still going strong. Rex the Wonder Dog is absolute the star, not only of the DCU but of pop culture and like think whoever Mickey Mouse, Bugs Bunny, whatever. There are fast food chains that have been licensed to rex the wonder dog everything like whatever licensed character merchandise you have there's a rex the wonder dog he is the star of not only america but the world everybody loves rex the wonder dog and cannot get enough now all of the stories are exactly the same (laughs) (laughs) but we have come to love him because Dogs are the most fantastic creature on Earth.
0: Yes, and I I just uh, checked this out on the Rex search engine, since Google doesn't exist. (laughs) Yes. And it's true. It's all true. (laughs) My Rex the Wonder Dog. Well, you know, I I created a sci-fi setting for this. You do a sci-fi setting, it's all going to be, I don't know, gleaming or maybe grim cityscapes or outer space, that kind of stuff. But I wanted a hero to work the countryside. And that's Rex, for me. Hmm. Uh, dogs haven't much changed in the, all these centuries. They are more rare. Perhaps they're a bit more intelligent. Structurally, this is the little hobo. Uh, he goes from place to place, helping various rural communities in the ways dogs do. In terms of storytelling, I want the dog's perspective as much as possible. So... Scenes with Rex are playing like, um, well, like Lucky, the pizza dog sequences in the Fraction and Aya <laughs> Hawkeye. Yeah. A lot of pictures in the thought balloons. When humans speak, there are only a few decipherable words because Rex doesn't understand everything. Uh, and also it's a must that we have smell balloons. That's important. Now, <laughs> it isn't just a cutesy, lassie type strip. Much of Earth has been reclaimed, but there are some places that still bear the mark of the great disaster. So sometimes Rex wanders into these lost valleys filled with dinosaurs and mutations and weird landscapes. And quite frankly, the original series was like this. So it, it pays homage to those crazy covers from the original series where there's like volcanoes exploding and dinosaurs coming out of the woodwork. And you're wondering <laughs> how, what happened to this comic. And I, I think this could be and should be a lot of fun. Next up, Richard Dragon, what is it, Kung Fu Fighter, And uh, I won't make a secret of it here, who I'm stealing from. I'm ripping off Magnus Robot Fighter, and I'm calling this Ryuchi Dragon Robot Hunter. Mm. Uh, Okay, am I I okay on the copyrights? So here's the deal. (laughs) This century has sentient robots, and we'll explore their role in a later series. But let's just say some of them don't follow the rules, and they leave their Pacific Sanctuary and cause trouble all around the Pacific Rim. Defending the coast of Asia, but willing to go as far as America's west coast. There's Ryuchi Dragon, who has trained his body to the point where his martial arts can rend metal and sever circuits. He's a robot fighting machine. Well, not a machine. A person. He was taught these special techniques by a robot called Sen-C-Zero, who saw it as his moral duty to stop bad robots from destroying the peace between robots and humans. But was he Right. This is a series with detailed martial arts action, but also one with moral dilemmas as Ryuchi deals with how his mission and his Buddhist faith come into conflict, especially once he gets to know a few more robots and how the world government is treating them. You know, can a robot feel desperation? And if it can, are the actions it's been driven to justified? This is a series that that starts as a happy robot fighting (laughs) type but maybe the mission's going to change at some point as more information comes to light. Mm.
1: Now, you said you stole that from Magnus Robot Hunter, but I'm stealing the name Ryuchi for my... Okay, go ahead. ...dragon character. So, Ryuchi Dragon is a member of the NLA. He is magic, uh, he is Asian, and he uses powers of dragons so he can call up dragons big small you know maybe a big dragon to pull up a boat from the ocean maybe you know a little tiny dragon to go inside a lock and pick it now the interesting thing about it is even though he's not the leader of the nla nature league of america he is the only member of the nla to have a solo book and his book was actually first And then when they created NLA, they pulled him in. But he's the only NLA member who has, like, his own book that tells of his adventures.
0: All the other ones are in the NLA book. Correct. I get it. So that that reduces the number of titles you actually have on the stands. Yes. Now it's it's reasonable, Sean.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was told to rein it in.
0: Well, interesting. I I like the idea of a a dragon so tiny it fits in a lock. Because I thought you small dragon, Lockheed. Oh, yeah. All right. Rip Hunter, my Rip Hunter is not a
1: time master at all. And this is not a comic book at all. This is a magazine. And going for that low hanging name fruit, Rip Hunter, this is a fashion magazine. And especially about like what to do, maybe like with clothes that are old or out of style. How do you repair them? How do you fix them? How do you make them into something new? I don't know that this is going to be a super popular seller, but I wanted something a little bit different. I wanted a magazine, a very high-gloss fashion, that kind of thing. So that is Rip
0: Hunter. I did go with the Time Machine stuff. This is the one series that doesn't spend all its time in the 20th century. And it's called Time Masters. It's a reboot of the miniseries by that name in which Rip Hunter and a small team travel through time to counter Vandal Savage's Illuminati. This time, we're going to give them a proper time bubble. They don't need to find different ways to time travel every time. That didn't really work. Sometimes they might crash superhero history, like uh, Booster Gold does, but I want the focus to be on actual historical periods, with or without comic book guest stars. Vandal Savage can still be the recurring villain... I would keep Jeffrey Smith and Bonnie and Corky Baxter in the team, uh, which they were in that series. They're obvious analogs of Ben Grimm and Sue and Johnny Storm to Rip's Mm -hmm. Reed Richards. I, I don't think I'd ever noticed that until reading it this time. But I would add, not Booster, I would add Michelle Carter, Booster's sister. That's Rip's young aunt who was saved from her death by temporal shenanigans and is now on the team secretly. You know, avoiding her fate.
1: I love Vandal Savage, so that's that's a contender.
0: It, it could have been Raz Al Ghul who's actually in this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he's also long lived, but, uh, you know, Vandal Savage has been around longer, so I think he still works. Turn the page. Robin, Robin One. We got two mm-hmm. Robins to cover. Here's what I did. I mean, I, here I'm pleasing myself more than anyone. You know how Superman spent time in the 30th century as Superboy? Mm-hmm. Well, When Dick Grayson was Batman after Final Crisis, no one knew this, okay, but he spent a good deal of time in the 28th century. However, you know, (laughs) I'm not saying how. (laughs) Like, I loved Dick Grayson as Batman. And in this series, he gets to reprise the role, basically. He's a fish out of water, though he has access to the Wayne fortune, possibly because when he returns to his time, he can prepare for that future. I don't know. But he survives by uh, doing what Dick Grayson does best, making friends. So we'll see him assemble a new Batman family in the future, show them the ropes, uh, and loose them on a truly dystopian future Gotham. By the time he's returned home, the series will have introduced a successor so he can go on, but we'll keep Dick in there, you know, as long as possible without it being unbelievable. But hey, to draw a connection to another entry in this book, Rachel Ghoul mm. is still alive and could be the big bad of that series.
1: I also like Rachel al Ghoul so <laughs>
0: that that's a double villain treat in a row. <laughs> you have a type obviously.
1: <laughs> I need a man that lasts. <laughs>
0: So what do you do with, uh, well, one of your Robin books?
1: So my first Robin is uh, a member, of course, of the NLA, all tying time into that nature. Um, But this definitely, and this is not a necessarily new take, but it definitely is leaning into the Robin Hood. So he was a criminal. He's reformed. And you never, ever get the sense that he is going to go back to crime. Like he is truly repentant he's truly remorseful about the things that he has done in the past nothing as bad as murder but like he was a bad egg you know and he is spending the rest of his days not only proving that like he has changed but being an example for people to change and reaching out to people who want to change now sometimes that means like people you know try to fool him and act like they're going to change maybe to get like secrets to the nla or something like that you never ever think Oh, you know, he's going to turn, you know, he's going to go back to his ways eventually. It's not that. It's really trying to show that people can change their ways for the better.
0: Okay. That's a good lesson from any Robin. I feel like, you know, that fits the, the tone of the character, even though you've, you've changed them a lot. What do you do with your second Robin? Second Robin?
1: No, 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 no. Two Robins weren't enough, so they're going to be three. So my next title is called Robin and Robin. And. Because Robin can be any gendered name, this is a couple. And this is basically like an Archie comic. Now, it is part of my treasury line. So, you know, big, big art. Um, and it will appeal to kids. But it's Robin and Robin, and it tells about their adventures. You know, they're in love. And it is very, you know... Very Archie, very, um, in a way, Harvey comics, that kind of thing. Um, you know, multiple little five page stories. So that was my idea for Robin and Robin.
0: Okay, my Robin is independent of Dick's Batman. It features a new female Robin inspired by the conflicting legends of Robin. She's resurrecting the mantle, but no one, you know, no one seems to realize that there were many Robins. So it doesn't make sense that, you know, whatever it is, there's no Batman in her mind, maybe. You know, Robin is is the hero. So it, this is a fun and action-packed series because, well, it will one day it will merge with the Raven book, right? So it also has a manga style. Mm. And this is a Robin who was never a sidekick, who uses science and technology to fight for justice, and has a lot of fun doing it. A Robin who can fly, who has a sense of humor and a feel for poetic justice who loves to trick out cool vehicles and build non-lethal weapons and give black eyes, in equal measure, to criminals and nasty corporate rent-a-cops. It's a little bit like when Superboy, you know, the Legion based itself on on Superboy. It's like, well, dudes, don't you mean Superman? But It's like maybe they had like a muddled history. Mm. It's kind of like this, because before... Dick shows up as Batman. Nobody remembers Batman. He was too much of an urban legend, maybe. He's forgotten, but they remember Robin. And to her, Robin is the thing to emulate, you know? Mm. Another twofer is the Robot Man's... The Robot Men. (laughs) So, Robot Man 1, here's what I did. The book is called Robot Nation. In the future... There are more and more functionally immortal robots. They become second-class citizens. They rebel. Eventually, the political solution is to exile them to their own pseudo-continent. It's not much of a plot of land, given that it's in the uh, Great Pacific Gyre. It's the plastic Sargasso Sea, you know, which in the future has more or less solidified into a floating platform heap. The robots terraform it. techno format whatever and the series is not only set on robotica but it stars many of the robots we know from the present day who have survived some are in good working order like uh, the metal men some are rusty old veterans like gi robot Mm. if you're a robot in dc continuity you'll at (laughs) least make a cameo listen listen all your robots (laughs) there's a chance for you i'm thinking Kellex, skeets ultavac mr adam matrix prime the Royal Flush Gang's ace is a robot, some leftover manhunter, the Batcave's T-Rex. Okay, like, <laughs> if you're mechanical, you're in here. They might be heroes, they might be villains, politicians, merchants, vagrants, whatever we need. You know, they live as a society. The focus is on the heroes, of course, of this island nation, uh, the most central among these being the metal men. The original robot man, Robert Crane, from this entry, is represented as a statue in the middle of the island And every so often, I want the robots to tell tall tales about the original robot hero. And they're always exaggerated and they conflict with one another. Uh, He's essentially everyone's inspiration, whatever the walk of life they've chosen. But it's never representative of the truth. Okay. Okay. What do you do with, well, you get two tries, right? So
1: Yes, and my first robot man is absolutely guaranteed to disappoint every listener listening. <laughs> Think back to the 80s when the super huge big dance craze was the robot. This robot man not only can do the robot, but he can do every other kind of dance there is. It's almost like an updated vibe character from justice league detroit and just as disappointing as vibe was to so many people that's how disappointing robot man is now i love vibe i think he's fantastic but that was my idea since we had two robot men i promise my next robot man is going to be a lot better
0: <laughs> i like a good comedy series <laughs> What do you do with? Uh, well, here it's Cliff Steele, but it doesn't need to be
1: correct. So this is Robot Man, and this is a normal human being who can communicate with all kinds of electronic devices. So whether it's for whatever reason a DVD player, or you know, a computer, or a car, or anything like, he can communicate to every device. Your phone. Now he can't bring up Google because Google doesn't exist, but he can bring up anything on your phone. He can use your technology to help you. Or he can use your technology against you. Now, it's funny because in my mind, that person was a hero. But now that I'm talking, maybe maybe it is a villain because you could do horrible things with technology against someone.
0: It's a little bit like uh, Quicksilver. That mysterious figure sometimes, sometimes helps you, sometimes punishes you. Oh,
1: yeah. Thank you for building to my <laughs> idea.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, mine. Okay. I'm, I'm Actually, I'm, I'm taking something that already exists. Uh, no one seems to remember this. There was a six-issue miniseries called My Greatest Adventure that came out in the New 52. And it presented, there was like three strips that you could follow. And one of them was a rebooted Robot Man. That is exactly, exactly what I want for this series. You don't even have to squint much to imagine it's taking place in the future. You know, it's just like techie enough that it could happen in my future. It's by uh, Mind Management's Matt Kint. And uh, Scott Collins, that perhaps is most contained. It stars an introspective Cliff Steel with a nanobot-infested body that can repair itself, transform itself to adapt to certain threats, and is connected to the internet. So he's always got, like, YouTube flashing in his head or something. He is based in the Nevada desert in a secret tower HQ called Uncanny Valley <laughs> uh, and works with the empathic Maddie Rouge, who it's obvious he loves. Part detective agency, part adventure agency – they take on the craziest missions all over the world. And then Robot Man just wipes the net clean of his presence, which ties into... I mean, this is from the actual comic, but it ties into my Robot Nation concept because it's illegal for him to be operating Ooh. in the wider world. I tell you, and then I reread this thing for this episode. And everything somehow fits the future that I've created. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so basically, just I just wanted this version. As much as I love Cliff Steele... In Doom Patrol and, you know, in the original comics, I still thought, wow, this is like the, the best or maybe the only reboot from the New 52 that I, I feel is has legs. Uh, and then they did nothing with it. I will do something with it. That. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is my vow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then uh, next up is Rose in the Thorn, 2. 2 is the hero. In this case, I know you, you, I'm sure sure you've repurposed the other one. (laughs) But uh, Rose and the Thorn, the heroic one, well, the original Thorn fought the 100. And then the organization was the Thousand by the time Booster Gold met them. So in the 20th century, they are called the One Million. And so it's a little wink at DC 1 million as well, you know, being like a future series. I know what I'm doing. So the (laughs) Thorn is trying to dismantle the 1 million. And these guys really have their fingers in everything worldwide. If you're looking for the evil elite who are pushing the earth towards that corporate fascism, it's probably these guys, you know. They are the big bad, the secret big bad of the DC universe in that time period. Uh, The twist is that Rose... Like her predecessor, you know, this is a heroine with a split personality, both Rose and the Thorn, Rose and the Thorn. Rose isn't aware that she is also the Thorn. The twist is that Rose is really the alt personality. She was created with futuristic advances in psychology to give the Thorn a sort of subconscious access to the corridors of power. Rose works for the big corporation that's at the center of the one million, but she's just an HR person. She doesn't know it's sinister but you know, she's got like eyes in the back of her head, basically the thorn is inside her mind. So something went wrong, and the Rose persona stuck around and is taking more and more room in the Thorn's life, putting her lifelong mission in jeopardy. I want this to have a paranoid spy thriller feel with a touch of total recall, where you don't know who or what to trust, including the heroine's own memories yeah. or what I just told you about it.
1: Oh throwing that twist. <laughs>
0: Uh, so what do you have for us with the Rose and the Thorn?
1: Well, amazingly, mine is almost exactly the same as yours, but not at all. So my Rose and Thorn is actually a funny animal strip. But funny animal strip with a complete turn. Because it's basically, like if you remember Wednesday Comics, it's basically the size of Wednesday Comics when it is right. unfolded. But th- this isn't folded. This isn't on newsprint. This is a like beautiful high-gloss paper. And it is funny animals but this is graphically impressive like every single top artist and even some artists that you would not associate with comics do funny animals but in a beautiful beautiful artistic style and it's huge and it's you know very quality now it is funny and it is aimed at kids but this is like it's so beautiful like the images that you have in your mind right now magnify them by a thousand. Because, like, this artwork is unbelievable. Like, it's, like, maybe even the stories aren't even that great, but you don't care because you could just pour over these images, you know, for 20 minutes at a time and then turn the page and then spend another 20 minutes looking at looking at this beautiful artwork.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of these kinds of projects. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, James Kachalka and, you know, basically cartoonists who do things for kids, but there's... And it's not like, oh no, there's a big metaphor for adults and not right, even no. yep, nope. not even. But it's there's something about the artistry of those kinds of projects. And at the same time, there's like the feeling that a lot of work goes into it, like maybe Acme Novelty Library, which is not for kids at all, but but those kinds of lavish yeah. products.
1: Lavish is a fantastic word. Thank you for adding that to my book because, yeah, that's a great word for it.
0: Interesting. Next, Rostov. Oh, yeah. We're, we're really getting in the weeds now. I pinky swear promise I do have
1: something for this, but this has to be saved for last for me.
0: Okay. We'll leave it for the end. Your punchline, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> for me, not punchline exactly, but you can bear the pun. Uh, I am calling this series, which is about a werewolf and Skartaris, I'm simply Ooh. calling it Scar. So basically, this advances Skartaris' timeline by 700 years, too. And now the Inner Earth has started to become industrialized, but it's a combination magic technology that our writer and artist can have fun with. So our hero, Scar, is a swordsman by day, werewolf by night, romantic but tragic, through whose adventures we discovered the updated Skartaris. It might be fun to have a young descendant of the Morgan clan be his sidekick, and a Warcat like Shakira mm. as a love interest, or even maybe as a recurring villain, that might be more interesting. But I unfortunately can't claim the Warlord knowledge I would need to go into greater detail. Look, it's a half page.
1: No, I think I, I like this. And it's funny because like, I've read some Warlord, but Skataris is very, very interesting to me. And I'm sure so much of it is just the artwork from Growl.
0: There is that, or even when I picked it up, originally was like Dan Jurgens. So it's always looked good, Yeah. but I don't have a big history with it. Next up, Roving Ranger. Really, like I said, the weeds. So, <laughs> the Roving Ranger, to me, the series is called The Roving Rangers. And they're a team of government-sponsored heroes, quote-unquote, who work in Earth orbit to defend the planet from alien incursions. You know, when some kund or dominator gets past them, they may have to go down to the surface, but no one wants that, because this is essentially a Suicide Squad or Thunderbolts team filled with criminals serving out their sentence or maybe otherwise problematic personalities. This is where I'm sticking futuristic analogs of Quake Master, Queen Bee, Reactron, <laughs> Ragdoll, and the Rainbow Raider, and the criminal speedster simply called Zoom. Their Rick Flagg equivalent, is a former Texas Ranger who fancies himself a space cowboy. So I get it back to the entry. But uh, that's the Roving Rangers for me.
1: My Roving Ranger is a dynamic comic, the dollar comic, dynamic comic. And it is a space age exploration of planets, but it's very much like a Twilight Zone anthology. So um, it is one person, and that person goes to different planets, but you know so a planet could be filled with alien creatures that you've never seen before or maybe this alien planet looks like ancient rome or chicago in the 20s or you know anything at all but it's all different stories it's an anthology there may be three or four stories in each issue you kind of never know what it's going to be maybe it's a funny story maybe it's a mystery story but you never know what you're going to get when you're traveling with the roving ranger
0: Hmm. Like the Star Trek's parallel development theory or whatever it was. Yeah. 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 Cool. Roy Raymond, TV detective. Listeners. Let me tell you. This the one. <laughs> this
1: is the one. <laughs> so in preparation for my appearance, I listened to my bat cousin Paul's episode. And then I listened to the next episode and someone had a fantastic concept for the Phantom Zone where they were pulling dead DC characters, which I loved. So this is, let's not say a ripoff, let's say an homage to that idea. (laughs) And Roy Raymond, TV detective, can pull TV detectives to help him on a case. So maybe he'll pull Jessica Fletcher. Maybe he'll pull Christy Love. Maybe he'll pull any kind of TV Columbo. Detective. Yes, any kind of it was Magnum P.I. Any kind of TV detective from the past to help him on the case, and most importantly, to help me create a viable concept.
0: Oh, Sean, <laughs> uh, I almost did not this, but I almost that's so what I wanted to do. <laughs> like when I threw up Columbo, it's because that was part of my concept from the beginning. I just wanted a character that can turn into Columbo. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> and I was just like, well, how do I get the rights? How does that look? What does that mean? So I didn't have the, the balls to do it. And anyways, it did not fit my future time frame. So I'm glad you did it. I'm really <laughs> glad you did it. For me, the book is called The Impossible Man. That's his nickname, according to the entry, because his show is called Impossible But True. Mm. An advance in entertainment technology at this point is the hollow cube that allows you to interact with packaged stories and situations like Star Trek's holodeck. But since the internet exists in this world, Google and everything, there are many <laughs> electronic backdoors that hackers can use to mess with you, to defraud you, etc. So the FCC equivalent, CRTC for us, but you know there's an equivalent in the future, now has a policing arm which... Roy Raymond is an agent of. They investigate crimes related to Holocube technology, they make arrests, etc. But there is this man-shaped video transmission, kind of looks like a like static, like a silhouette Ooh. made out of static, unless he's possessing another character in the Holo Vid who helps and some would say steals the agency's thunder, the mysterious Impossible Man. He's kind of a Robin Hood of the airwaves, exposing corporate misdeeds, going in where the FCC refuses to go for political reasons. Roy is always trying to capture him, even though he acknowledges, yeah, he's done he's done something right, but, but at the same time, it's illegal for him to do so. But the reader suspects Roy is the impossible man, right? Somehow. And maybe he is. We play on this mystery for as long as possible. And I I don't want to give any answers here because it doesn't matter because it's fake but but i came up with many fun answers that would have shaken up the status quo after a time there are many possible answers to this question anyway that's my roy raymond which brings us to the bonus series
1: my ideas for these we don't want anyone to have to go through a 14 hour episode like shag talking about v so we can really just whip these out you know one sentence two sentences to get all the listeners done with this episode
0: right mine i just have one anyways because i've listed Right, I followed your lead, I included every character uh, in the issue of Huzu in one series or another. I left out two. Okay. Here they are. So this is for supermarkets, bookstores, toy stores, that kind of place. We are putting out a quarterly, oversized, combination comic activity book called Puzzler v. Riddler. Ooh! Where, I guess, future versions of these characters meet and brag about their schemes against Man of Steel and the new Batman family incorporating various puzzles, games, pull-out, cardboard, construction projects, etc. The conceit of the stories inside is that the heroes had to solve this problem to proceed. So it's the readers doing the work, basically. And it's the kind of thing you hand to your kid while you're on vacation somewhere. So we sell them as books with a longer shelf life. And now I think I've covered everyone in some way. So take us home.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, I swear, listeners, we did not plan this.
0: But okay, so you have something like this.
1: Your Puzzler and Riddler, and you talked about a grocery store. My Puzzler and Riddler are combined, and then the next thing goes into a grocery store. So that is fantastic, and I swear we didn't plan this. So earlier I talked about Quizlet, which is the app, and that's level one. Level two is Puzzler, which is questions about the DC Universe, kind of more so the DC Universe as it was. And then Riddler is questions about who's editing. So that was my idea for the, the all three levels of an app. But my next one is Quake Master. And I don't know if anyone remembers this, but uh, there used to be two cereals, Quisp and Quake. And this Quake Master is a digest that's sealed to a cereal box that you get at a grocery store. And I can't believe that you brought that up. So I've, I like your idea much, much better. But mine, mine was a digest about Quake Master. The next one is Queen Bee. And that is um, a series of books based on Beyonce albums, because Beyonce is Queen Bee. So every time Beyonce comes out with an album, there are 12 tracks on that album. There are 12 issues. Each song gets a different issue. uh, So that's very infrequent based on her record releases. My next one is Rainbow Raider. And this is the darkest book in my line. Rainbow Raider is a gay punisher. He uses the exact Punisher logo, but he is a flaming homosexual who is violent—not hardcore, but it's a very adult title. And this way, every time you see that Punisher logo or that little Punisher logo with the orange flip, you will think of Rainbow Raider, the gay Avenger. <laughs> okay. My next one is Rachel Ghoul. This is a dynamic comic, and it is a horror comic because al Ghoul is a ghoul, G H O U L. The next one is Reactron, but in my version it's React Ron, and it's an intermediate young adult title about Ron reacting to topical situations, good, bad, you know, things you have to go through through middle school, things to help kids get through. My next one is Reverse Flash, and of course, the reverse of a flash is darkness, so Reverse Flash has darkness powers. My next one is the other Rose and Thorn. These are actually Aros and Thorn. They come from space and their planet doesn't have nature. And even though they are of nature, when they land on Earth, they meet up with the NLA because the Nature League of America is going to help them understand Earth nature. My second to last title is Royal Flush Gang. This takes place in the 1940s and they are members of a mob called the Royal Flush Gang, but they are undercover government agents. And think of like Sandman, Watchmen, like a grown-up title like that. That is Royal Flesh Gang. And my last entry is Rostov. Listeners, unfortunately, Rostov is not a concept. Rostov is a real-life company who has purchased my line of DC Comics, and they have decided to cancel every single book that I talked
0: about, except for Rex the Wonder Dog. Well, you can't. <laughs> Can't cancel Rex.
1: <laughs> That's the only viable property that they can see.
0: It's part of the collective consciousness. <laughs> okay, well, uh, good journey. <laughs> So uh, let's do that well-established tradition now. It's hard, to be, it's hard because there are so many. We have only enough money to buy one series from the other. Now I have no choice. It's got to be Rex because it's the only one that's been published. Well, let's imagine that Rostov hasn't pulled the trigger yet. So which one will it be in your case?
1: Okay, so um, as you've been talking, I've been circling on my list, and I'll give you like my top contenders. Now, I'm not sure if Riddler and Puzzler, part of the serial titles, count, but they're on the list. I loved your Rip Hunter because of Vandal Savage. I loved your version of Ray, Ragman, and Quicksilver. So my final choice, if if Puzzler and uh, Riddler are allowed, I'm going with that. If they don't count because they're not part of your real line, then I'm going to go with Quicksilver because I love that idea for you.
0: They count. You can get your Puzzler, Riddler, and you also get Superman. Well, I mean, future Superman, but also Batman Family Adventures in there. So I know that's <laughs> your thing.
1: Yay!
0: <laughs> right? It's a little bit like I i have a half a mind to to be picking up the Nature League of America because then I get to get, you know, all these different characters. It's, it's kind of a cheat in a way, you know. Yeah, I'd love to have in my hands the uh, luscious, lavish uh, Rose and the Thorn project. But, well, at at the same time, what character do I want to follow? I've gone back and forth on this, but I think... I think your Ragman series has a lot of appeal. Yeah. I think that would be interesting. That would My more adult leanings mm-hmm. are very interested in that book. Oh, great. So there we go. I don't know which one I'm actually buying, as, as it turns <laughs> out. We know well, it's Rex.
1: Why, do, why don't we look be, use our imaginations to look beyond the preset boundaries?
0: <laughs> let's cheat. What would that mean? Yeah, let's get it all. <laughs> So, dear listeners, well, it's your turn, I guess. Uh, It's time to go to fireandwaterpodcast.com. Tell us what you think. Would you read any of these books? play any of these apps, become members of this society that worships Rex? And if you were in charge, what series would you offer using these characters? And if you like this content, think about visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash fwpodcast like Diablo Frank, who sponsors this very show. I hope you had fun, Sean.
1: I had a ball. And thank you for indulging me in my imagination.
0: Yes, let's call it imagination. (laughs) Uh, So thanks for trying the experiment with me. Until next time, who's editing? We are... this little working class circus kid who's totally cocky. Batman is suddenly, wait a minute, this this is the kid that died in me. You're gonna make me cry.